Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What the Pell is up, everyone? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. And before we get started, you know what I'm going to say. Got to remind you, go subscribe, follow, leave a rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or if you're listening anywhere else that provides the opportunity to do so. Folks, we have the podcast I'm probably most excited for that we've done in our now 58 episodes. We've got Antonio Daniels, the Antonio Daniels, NBA champion, 13-year NBA vet, host of Give and Go on SiriusXM, been a guest on The Herd with Colin Coward on FS1 and on all your Fox Sports affiliates wherever you may live. And of course, you know him as the color analyst for the Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers, who does play-by-play. So absolutely thrilled about him stopping by. Could not be more thankful for him to do so. Take some time and speak with us a little bit today. Today, we talk about his experience with covering the bubble, who he thinks will be the eventual NBA champion, what he would have said to the Pelicans in the bubble situation, and then, of course, how the Pelicans will and should go about their offseason that has started already. Folks, again, one of my favorite podcasts to date. Here it is. My conversation with Antonio Daniels of Fox Sports New Orleans, host of Give and Go, NBA champion, and 13-year NBA vet. Uh, oh, and can't forget, this guy is part of the intro. The, this is what takes you to the nether level. The follow-through guy. Yeah. If that ain't dope, I don't know what's dope. Anyway, here it is, Pels fans. Check it out. And we're joined by none other than Antonio Daniels color announcer for the New Orleans Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans, NBA champion and host of Give and Go on Sirius XM. He's been on The Herd with Colin Coward, just been everywhere. Antonio, how you doing today, brother? I am awesome, Elliot. I am awesome. Thanks for having me, brother. We finally got an opportunity to actually connect. <laughs> we finally did. We've been working on this for a while. I've been, you know, I've been talking about it on podcasts, possibly having you on, but I'm so happy that we finally got to do this, and we really appreciate you stopping by. We know you're a busy guy. Sure. Thanks for having me, brother. My for pleasure. Sure. For sure. So we were just talking about it a little bit off air. You're home now, and you're home in San Antonio, right? Yes. How do you how yeah. do you like being home? Your your season's over. You're you're back with your family. How how are you doing? Um, I'm I'm blessed, man. I am blessed far more than I deserve. It's great to be back home. Um, I, I wish I was home under di- different circumstances for the way that the season ended. I know I wasn't playing and I had nothing to do with what transpired on the floor, but I just left New Orleans after the game with a bad taste in my mouth. Feeling like right now watching the Portland Trailblazers play uh, the Los Angeles Lakers or watching the Portland Trailblazers play the Memphis Grizzlies in the playing game. I felt like that should be a place where we should have been. You know, right now we should be playing the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, you take your hat off to the Portland Trailblazers because they did what they had to do to be there. But with the talent that this team has and the way that they were playing prior to the shutdown, wishful thinking. Right. You got to give them props. I mean, Damian Lillard is balling sure. right now. 
and the comeback of Yusuf Nurkic. Obviously, I mean, they don't have Trevor Ariza. If there's any team to get that eight spot over the Pelicans, the Trailblazers certainly deserve it. The, the Portland Trailblazers have become America's team <laughs> right now. Right. Because of the way that they've been playing. You know, Damian Lillard is literally setting the NBA on fire um, with the way that he plays the game. And he's quiet. He's not, he's not, um, he's not arrogant. He's not cocky. He's humble. Um, he doubles down and he's confident and he believes in himself. And you can see the way that his confidence and his leadership kind of trickles down to everyone on that roster. I'm not sure if you got to see the, the broadcast in its entirety last night, but Charles Barkley after on TNT coming out with the broom, thinking the Blazers are going to yeah. sweep the Lakers. What do you, what do you think of that idea? I'm not, I'm not going that far. Okay. okay. <laughs> the thing is, as much as I love it, my, my favorite two, non-Pelicans in the league are Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell. And the reason that I say that has nothing to do with who they are on the floor. It's who they are off the floor. One of the blessings of this job is prior to games and after games, you get an opportunity to really talk to guys and know guys, not just as basketball players, but as people, as husbands, as fathers, you know, as, as, as young men. And, to have conversations with Damian Lillard prior to games and after games and Donovan Mitchell prior to games and after games. Those are my favorite two non-Pelicans that are, that are in the league. I'm not going that far to say, you know, they're going to sweep the Lakers. I give them two games. This is not the NCAA tournament. I would never overreact no matter how good or how poor a team plays. Portland did what they needed to do to win that game. But I tell you what, number 23 for the Lakers and LeBron James, that's a different animal. He is a different animal. Um, so it, it's, and, and this is the best thing about the playoffs is it's not checkers, it's chess. So to watch how Frank Vogel now responds to Terry Stotts and the different coaching adjustments and moves that he makes as well. This is what makes the playoffs what they are. The Trailblazers, I mean, they just have no answer for LeBron. And I mean, who does? Right. Who does, but they don't have Trevor Ariza. And that's such a huge piece. Well, it's not just, it's guys like Trevor Ariza. It's a Trevor Ariza. It's a Nasir Little. It's a uh, Mo Harkless. It's a Aminu. Guys that are long, athletic, agile, and just different guys that you can throw at LeBron. As great as Luka was in the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Los Angeles Clippers game, look at the amount of guys that they get to throw at Luka. You can throw a Paul George. You can throw a Kawhi Leonard. You can throw a Patrick Beverly. You can throw a Morris. You can throw a Shaman. It's a number of different guys that you can throw at him. And it'll be interesting tomorrow to see when these two teams meet up again, if LeBron James will have more of a uh, aggressive to score mentality and, and, and force the Portland Trailblazers to adjust. Because what we saw yesterday was he was trying to get everyone else involved to start the game off. He was trying to get Anthony Davis going, almost force feeding him. But the moment LeBron said, I'm going to take over this game offensively is when the Lakers made their run. So it'll be interesting to see if he has that mentality from the tip tomorrow. Right. Now, we are fresh off the eight games for the Pelicans in those seeding <laughs> games for the bubble. What was that experience like for you calling games from New Orleans while the games are in Orlando? I presume you've never had a situation like that before. Well, I mean, this is my, this is my Zion year. This is my Jackson. <laughs> hey, this is my rookie season doing this. I've done it before um, for the Dallas Mavericks, you know, filling in for, for Derek Harper. But this was a weird rookie year for me, just like it was a weird rookie year for Zion or Jackson or Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You know, um, it was different, to say the least. I am a, I'm a passionate speaker. I'm a passionate talker. Uh, I'm passionate about the game of basketball, and I'm passionate about the New Orleans Pelicans and what they are growing into. And one of the things I love about this job is you are up close and personal. So at every, almost every arena, I'm courtside. I can hear the conversations from player to coach, from player to official, from official to coach, vice versa. So I can hear all of these different things going on. When Brandon Ingram knocks down a shot against the Utah Jazz with 0.3 seconds to go, I feel that energy because I can feed off the crowd and how loud the place is and so on and so forth. It was so weird to call games from the Smoothie King Center that seats 20 to 25,000 people and there's 12 of us in there, 12 total. You know, when you count me and Joe Myers, uh, Jen Hale and David Wesley, who were doing the pregame and postgame show, 
the cameraman, Melissa, who was our stage manager. Like, it was weird. So when something happens, somebody hits a big shot or a big play, and you kind of want to kind of want to scream about it. It's just weird because there's no one in that arena but you guys. It was different. Right. Now, there really weren't a lot of plays to scream about in the bubble, going two and six, not getting in, the, not getting in these play-in games or, or the playoff game in, in general. What went wrong for the Pelicans from what you could see? I mean, we all know they were flat. There was almost no energy, lack of accountability even after games. What were your thoughts about the Pelicans in those eight games and, and not getting in? Um, I, I can tell you that everyone in that locker room was disappointed. I can tell you that. Uh, and I think that that's obvious because everyone entered that bubble with the intention of making the nine spot and playing in the playing game or the A spot and playing in the playing game and possibly the playoffs. Um, it was different because the moment that Zion had to leave for the family emergency, which I completely understand. There's nothing in this life more important than relationships. You know, you got to put basketball on the back burner. If that's what it means for you to be home for your family, so be it. But just like this season got off to a rough start when Zion wasn't present. This team started off, what, 6-22, and 6-23 when Zion wasn't there. Then they got their sea legs about them and then picked it up a little bit. Where the, dip, the difference here is you don't have that room. You don't have that room. So you have eight games. So if you get off to a rough start, you don't have that time and room to catch up for lack thereof. So the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Kings, uh, Memphis, and Portland, all, and Phoenix, all had to hit the ground running. There was no, zero room for error. And it, it, it just, the, the energy wasn't there. They, the way that this team was playing in March when the season was postponed didn't carry over. But here's the thing. You can say that about a lot of teams. A lot of teams. The Lakers look completely different now than they did in March. Milwaukee looks completely different now than they did in March. It's difficult when you have a four-month hiatus to carry over that chemistry, to carry over that camaraderie, that energy that you had prior to the postponing. Um, these were just these were different circumstances, and it happens. What it should do is motivate guys in that locker room. So when you're sitting at home right now and you are watching the playing game with Memphis and Portland, or you're watching the playing game, especially when you look at those two in the playing game and you are seven and zero against both those teams combined. So you didn't lose against Memphis and you did not lose against Portland, and yet they are competing in the playoff game. You know it should inside you. It should eat away. It should eat away at you for the remainder of your time off until the season starts again. You're an NBA champion. You're an NBA vet. You've, you've been on the sidelines now for a year. If there was any advice you could impart to this team, again, you've never been here. A lot of us have never been in a situation even remotely close to this. I mean, with the youth, with the basically the roster got turned on its head over the last year, there was any piece you could impart to this team when they were in the middle of, of, this, of this tough stretch of, of possibly being able to get in but not playing well? Is there anything you could have told them or anything you would have told them to try to, I don't know, get them riled up or, or maybe any advice to play a little differently? I, I think my advice for this team, for me as an individual, if I was in that locker room, because that's how I try and do my job. I try and I would never say something about a player or a coach that I wouldn't mind being said about me if I was in that locker room or never say something about a player or coach that I wouldn't mind um, uh, like their wives or their girlfriends or their mothers wouldn't mind if I said it about them. I'm not there to take shots at guys. I want to see guys succeed. And that's one of the best things about this job is the fact that you get an opportunity to develop relationships with these guys when you're traveling with them, when you're eating with them, when you're at every practice and at every shoot around, you get an opportunity to gain um, and build relationships with them. Uh, for me, what kind of killed this team all year long was the lack of understanding as far as valuing the ball and maximizing possessions. When you start getting into these eight playoff games, and I call them playoff games because these were playoff games for the Pelicans, meaning the Portland Trailblazers, that's their ninth playoff game that they played in yesterday against the Lakers. Every game that they played meant something. When you're playing in meaningful games, 
valuable games as far as reps, as far as experience, you have to learn to value the basketball and maximize every possessions and maximize every possession. It was tough for this team because it was a lot of risk taking. And there are times to take risks. And there are times to understand that the reward does not outweigh the risk, you know, um, with the turnovers. So that's why you slowly but surely saw the turnovers creep up into the 20s. And then, you know, they would do a good job of taking care of it for a, a, a quarter. And then it would creep up again. So one would be maximizing possessions. You know, we don't have to try every home run play. You know, if you hit a home run, that's fantastic. But four singles equals a home run too. Two doubles, you know, that's a home run. So it, it just understanding, understanding the game and watching what's going on on the floor. Um, it's a great group of guys with a high basketball IQ. I think they just have to continue to build on what they were doing prior to the pandemic. Part of the, the turnovers and the uh, inability to hold on to the basketball is part of Alvin Gentry's offense. I mean, it's just constant pace. Not necessarily, you know, you're not, looking, right, you're not looking to turn the ball over, but, but they are moving the ball really fast up and down the court. Now, unfortunately, you know, you never root for anybody, anybody to lose their job during, I mean, in any case. But Alvin Gentry, the, the Pelicans will be moving off of him this offseason and, and looking for a new coach. We talked about it with Louis Prejean of 103.7 The Game in this last podcast. Are you looking for, is there any characteristics that you look at for a coach that the Pelicans, you believe they need going into this coming season? I think one of the things that Griff touched on, which I agree with wholeheartedly, is you have to get a coach where he's all about buy-in. And what I mean is that that means the culture, that means the defensive system, the defensive schemes, the defensive foundation, the offensive system, scheme, and foundation. That's incredibly important in today's NBA because if there's no buy-in, and, 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 I'll, and I'll say this, it has to be buy-in from your top guys, from your best players. Because if your best players buy in, everyone else will fall in line. And playing with the San Antonio Spurs, Tim Duncan bought in. David Robinson bought in. These the best players bought in. So when they buy in, the culture can be set. You know, um, one of the best quotes I've ever heard, I was at Tim Duncan's retirement night. And one of the first things that Greg Popovich said, well, he said, you know what, Tim, I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to coach you. And that, if you think about that, that resonates and that, that, that quote carries volumes. Because that basically meant if Tim Duncan didn't allow Greg Popovich to be Greg Popovich, there would be no Greg Popovich. You know, so buy-in is, is incredibly important. And also just understanding what you have as far as the way the roster is constructed and kind of building your offense around what these guys do well you know um and i think that's easier said than done there are a lot of coaches in the nba that only know how to coach one way and that is their style whether or not that roster is conducive to that style or not lewis and i talked a lot about toughness about accountability mm -hmm. and about structure are those three things that that you would agree with that would be good characteristics good things that a new coach could bring to the new orleans pelicans well i think those are characteristics of championship teams that, that those are characteristics of any good team that, that you talk about. You can go down the list of any of the best teams in the league, and I guarantee you those are the characteristics that are entrenched within that culture. And there are a lot of teams in this league that don't have a culture that's built yet. They're in the process of building one, or they're trying to build one, or they're looking for someone to come in and bring, bring that. And I tell you, that's one of the things that you know about Griff. Griff is about those things. So that's why I am, I am, I'm excited. I'm, I love Alvin. I love Alvin. Alvin is a A1 first class, and you know this, being with the media, A1 first class guy. He will sit down. He will talk to you. He will laugh with you. He will tell you stories. He will treat you like you are his family at all times. But if that's the direction that they want to move on past, I, so be it. And I'm excited because I know and understand the way Griff thinks. I know and I understand the way Trajan thinks and what they are looking for to bring in here, to maximize, 
the potential to maximize eight guys under 25 years of age, to maximize a Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson combination. How do you get the most and best out of Lonzo? That kind of thought process. Now, when we talk structure, what we're looking at is not necessarily the fast style of play that like Alvin brought or like when we talk about the, the possible names that have been put out by Woj, by Andrew Lopez, it's, it's guys like Ty Lu who came in to Cleveland and said, yeah, I mean, he, he provided leadership. He did. I mean, the, the Cavs wouldn't have won that seven-game series against the Warriors in 2016 if that leadership wasn't provided. But it was a lot of stepping in and letting LeBron take the reins and, and run what needs to be run and saying, you guys are vets. I trust you. When you're looking at structure, it's a different type of structure as opposed to that, where Lewis and I talked a lot about Kenny Adkinson. And I know you're in a position to not necessarily talk about names, but when we're talking structure, what do you think the Pelicans need? Are they looking more for a development guy like a Kenny Adkinson or a guy who's at least been there before like a Ty Lue? It's tough because I don't think you can go wrong either way. You can't. And one in Teron Lue, you have a championship coach that's battle-tested and experienced, and that's been there before. And then Kenny Atkinson, you have a guy, and you watch what he did in Brooklyn as far as player development is concerned, you know, with the Karis Leverts, with the Jared Allens, you know, with the Spencer Dinwiddies, those guys. And then you look at guys like Jackson Hayes. You look at guys like Brandon Ingram. You look at guys like Zion Williamson, Frank Jackson, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a lot of these younger guys and think, like, okay, with player development, what can they become? What will these guys look like a year from now? So honestly, and there, there's so many, like, really good candidates. There's a lot of really good candidates. And I know a lot of it has been about, uh, you know, Teron Liu and, and Kenny Atkinson. But there, there's a lot of, you know, you look at David Vanderpool. You look at Ime Udoka. You know, you look at different younger guys that are now sitting on benches that are experienced as well. And they are just experienced through vision. You know, Ime Udoka had an opportunity to sit on San Antonio Spurs bench for years and then go sit on the Philadelphia 76ers bench behind Brett Brown. You know, David Vanderpool, there's a ton of guys, mainly Damian Lillard, that give him credit for developing them for who they are today both mentally and also physically. So it's a lot of different guys out there that bring something different to the table that can enhance, that can enhance this New Orleans Pelicans roster. So we've talked about coaches that could retread like Jason Kidd, like Jacques Vaughn, like Ty Lue, Kenny Atkinson. And then we've talked about these newer names, like you just mentioned, David Vanterpool, Ime Udoka. And then there's names like Darvin Ham, Jerry Stackhouse. Right. And obviously Stackhouse is a little different. He's still in the in the, the, the names that we've talked about, the pool of coaches that we've talked about, but he's mm -hmm. also in the middle of that six-year contract with Vanderbilt. And then, you know, there's college coaches, Jay Wright, uh, Bill Self. I think that'd be pretty interesting to bring in a guy like that right now. But if you had a preference, it, would you lean towards a guy who's an assistant or a, a retread, or would you consider a college coach like a Jerry Stackhouse? Is there anyone that sticks out to you that you think would be the best fit for this team? No. No, no, because the thing is, it, every situation is different. So, and what I mean by that is who Teron Lou was in Cleveland, he won't be in New Orleans because LeBron's not here. Kyrie Irving's not here. Kevin Love's not here. Completely different situation. Who Kenny Atkinson was in Brooklyn, he'll be completely different here in New Orleans because it's a completely different situation. You know, who Jay Wright is in college. You know, who Bill Self is in college and Jerry Stackhouse. Will they run the same college sets at this level? Probably not. You know, so it's a lot that has to change when you start talking about bringing a coach in from their respective position. Whether the NBA head coach or NBA assistant coach or college head coach. And then bringing them into a NBA system. It's completely different. That's fair. I know, I mean, I've been listening to other podcasts, Pro Pels Talk, uh, Locked on Pelicans with Jake Madison. There seems to be a consistent, there's not a consistent name. There's one consistent yeah, name. Right. Tends to be Kenny Adkinson, and then we're hearing names all over the place, like, like the names that we've brought up, Darvin Ham, David Vanterpool, guys like that. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on, on Becky Hammond? I, I just find it. I love Becky. You, you love Becky? Let, let's hear I, I, I've known Becky, but see, I've known Becky forever. 
I've known Becky for years because Becky's here in San Antonio and this is home for me. So, and the thing that, that uh, about Becky is, Becky has proven herself. She's proven herself. You know, when she was given the opportunity to coach the San Antonio Summer League, she coached him to a chance. So when the opportunity was given to her, so I, I, I love Becky. I do. I, I, I love Becky Hammond. I think she's a great, I know she's a great person and she's a fantastic coach as well. You see her being prepared to, to take the leadership reins of a full bore NBA team, step in and lead men and, and lead them to, to wins. I mean, right now, the, the Pelicans, if we're talking about her for the Pelicans specifically, it's already kind of a, a circus with Zion Williamson. I mean, they're the new up-and-coming team. Zion's the freak of nature that he is. And then you bring in the first female head coach ever. Do, do you think that's, that's something that would be conducive to what the Pels want right now? I, well, that's the thing. I can't, I'm not qualified to answer that question and okay. say what they do or what they don't want. This is what I'll tell you about Becky Hammond. Everybody that we named on this list that's an assistant coach, the Darvin Hams, the Adrian Griffins, the David Vanderpools, you know, these guys, the Jack Bond, even though he's been a head coach before, she's just as qualified. She's just as qualified as anybody is on that list that we've discussed that have not been a head coach. Now, as we go into this offseason, it's going to be a four-month hiatus once again for the Pelicans before we restart in December for the 2020-2021 season. And we've heard a lot of things about what the Pels will do this offseason. Basically, it's just going to be the roster possibly being turned on its head once again. Obviously, they're looking for a new coach. Now, you've, seen, you've been right on the sideline for nearly every game this season and have seen this team with or without Zion, with or without B.I., Drew, Derek Favors. Now, going into this offseason, I mean, what do you expect from the team? Obviously, you can't speak in, in incredible detail, but what right. are you expecting? What do you think they will go for this offseason? Is there any one thing that you're expecting Griffin, Trajan Langdon to do? Well, I think the, the one thing that they would look to do is rely on growth. Hmm. I think that's incredibly important. You know, everybody is constantly worried about, oh, whoa, you know what? Who are they going to go after to a free agency? Who are they going to, like, you have to understand what you have here first and foremost. What you have in Brandon Ingram, what you have in Lonzo Ball, what you have in Zion Williamson, and as far as Jackson Hayes, Nikhil, allowing these young men to grow. And what I mean by that is these guys have to take the next step. Whatever that next step looks like for them individually, that step has to be taken. Um, and as far as free agency goes, who knows? Who knows? You know, you have Derek Favors, who's a free agent, you know, um, who was incredibly important to this team as the anchor defensively, you know, and he'll be sought after. He'll be sought after. There, there's someone out there that, that is looking for a veteran to anchor their defense, whether starting or coming off the bench, that, um, that doesn't make a lot of errors, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So you have to look at that position. You have to look at the center position and then think to yourself, okay, because this league now has become about stars. It's become about stars and surrounding your stars with guys whose skill set complement those stars. So if it's a Zion and a BI that you're building around, now you have to go out and take a look at free agency or trades or the draft and bring in guys whose skill set complement those guys. Look at Dallas. Look at Houston. You know, um, look at all the LeBron James teams. This league now is full of you put the ball in the stars' hands and surround them with shooters and playmakers. So it'll be interesting to see the, the style that the Pelicans play, the way that they play, um, the sets that they run. Who do they play through? You know, um, how do you get the best out of Zion? How do you get the best out of B.I.? How do you um, maximize Lonzo's ability to pass the basketball? Well, all these different questions that you have. And I think that's what is so ex exciting about this team moving forward. So we talk about need around your two stars, B.I., Zion. First thought for me is what you want to do to surround those guys with. What they need is rebounding, defense, and spacing for Zion specifically. What are your thoughts there? Do, do you think there's any other specific – tool or specific type of player the Pelicans should get to surround Zion to surround B.I.? Well, for me, I feel like in this league, you can never have enough shooting. 
you can never have enough shooting in this league. The more shooting that you have, the better. Um, J.J. Reddick was a godsend. He was a godsend. <laughs> J.J. Reddick's ability, number one, to vocalize his thoughts in that locker room, his leadership, and also his ability to stretch the floor, whether or not he's hitting shots or not. Whether or not he's hitting shots or not, he's going to give someone space. So it, 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 for me, it's, it's a shooting. It's, this, is a, this is an offensive league now. It's not to say that defense is not important, but this league right now is based on offense. It's based on uh, opportunity offensively. You know, you're going you're gonna to need guys that, like I said, that step is important, that next step. So you're going to need Zion and B.I. and Jackson Hayes and Nikhil and Frank and these other guys to take that next step defensively, defensively. Because if you think about it, think of how the talent, think of the size, think of the athleticism, think of the versatility that you have with those guys, those eight guys that are under 25 years of age. But you don't want these guys to be complacent with where they are. For this team to improve, they have to improve. They have to continue to take steps, both offensively and defensively. So one thing that we've talked about a lot this season with, with guys from the Bird Rights, with, with Lewis, with uh, – I've been on ESPN 1420 in Lafayette. We've talked about it a lot there. Mm -hmm. Is the need if, – if the roster stays its in, in, intact in its entirety, maybe not in its entirety, but for the most part going into next season – a really big need is a three and D guy, uh, at least at the very least a wing, a three, four kind of tweener that would more or less replace Kenny hustle. Cause we tried Kenny hustle. He, he's been, he's had a tough season so far shooting, especially. Mm -hmm. Is that something that sticks out to you as a need for this team? I know we talked about going out and getting like Mo Harkless or even Jeremy Grant would be the ideal grab, but somebody like that. And obviously aren't going to have a ton of cash space going into this season, this off season. But if they can use that mid-level exception and grab a guy like that, do you see that as a big need? So, so here's my question. Anytime I'm interacting with fans and they're saying what the need is for the team, what I, what I would always challenge them to do, it's easy to say what's needed. Whether or not it's available is different case and scenario. So I can say, man, it would be nice to have a guy that does this. If that guy's not out there, then that kind of, it's a killer. So the question I would ask you, Elliot, is give me a name that makes sense that's available as far as 3 and D goes and a guy that fits financially, that fits in there financially. So I think it's one thing to understand what you need. It's another thing to say, uh, well, what's available? When I was, you know, doing – and working with Oklahoma City the last four years, I used to interact with fans all the time, and they used to always say, man, we need more shooting. We, we need more shooting. We need we, okay, I, I get it. I completely grasp the concept. But give me someone that's available. Give me someone that is not under contract. Because this isn't a video game. This isn't a video game where everybody plugs in somebody on the ESPN tray finder, and they says, okay, well, we can get this guy and this guy and bring over Kyle Korver. You know, that's not how it works. Like, they're – there's, there's strategy to this. There are contracts that are involved. You know, there are roles that are involved. So the question that I would ask you is who free agent wise, who free agent wise makes sense for this team as far as three and D is concerned, one and two, would that person, whoever that person is, be okay maybe coming off the bench? The name that we've been talking about a lot that I like the most, his shooting has kind of fallen off this year, to be quite honest. But if, I mean, you get him to work with Fred Vincent, assuming they retain him, are able to bring him back uh -huh. this season. A name that we've been talking a lot about is Mo Harkless. I, I like that name a lot. I know you brought it up a little bit ago. I mean, we, we've thrown out so many different names. One of the Morris twins, uh, I'm trying to think here off the top of my head. Obviously, like I said, Jeremy Grant is the most ideal, and it would be crazy. Love if Jeremy. Man. I, I, don't, I don't know Love how Jeremy. they would that unless they did like a sign-in trade with Denver sort of thing. But the main name that we've been talking about that – I think would fit that niche the best would be Mo Harkless. And, and what position will we assume that Mo Harkless is going to play? Probably small forward. That's what I would say. So small how does this work? Three. Right. So, so how does this work then? 
In terms so of rotation. Is Mo Harkless starting or is Mo Harkless coming off the bench? He's going to have to come off. facetiously here. Right. You're right. He's going to have to come off the bench. I mean, you got B.I. starting in that, in that three position, Zion at the four. I mean, it, it depends on what you do with Drew this offseason too. Right. Okay. I, I'll tell you this. I, I'll tell you the reason that I like that because I feel like in today's NBA, the more guys that you have in between six foot four, six foot five, and six foot eight, six foot nine, the better off you are. Yep. You know what I mean? So if you can think of a finishing lineup, a finishing lineup of Zion at the five, Mo Hartless at the four, B.I. at the three, and you can do the guards any way you want to because you still got J.J. Reddick, you still got Lonzo Ball, you still got Josh Hart, you still got Drew Holiday. But today's NBA is about, is about one center, a five-man surrounded by four guards. Watch all of these games that are going on. Watch all of these games that are going. That is what gave the Pelicans issues. When they play Sacramento, one big. Alex Lynn in the middle, four guards. Memphis, one big, four guards. You go around and you look, that is becoming the trend of today's NBA. So as you finish the game with your five best playmakers, positionless basketball is a must in today's NBA. And if you can get a Mo Harkless, if you can get a Jeremy Grant, if you can get a, a – uh, Marquis for or Marcus Morris, someone that brings toughness and versatility. I'm all on board for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, something that we've been talking about a lot is, is the need for a veteran presence too, or a guy that can be a jerk, you know, like a Patrick Beverly that they feel like this, this Pelicans teams is just, it's filled with a bunch of nice guys. Would you, would you agree with that from what you've seen? Yeah. 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 Like I, I used to say during the year, I used to say during the year, you know, um, there, there's sometimes that you need a Draymond Green in your locker room. You know, you may not, you may not like him, but what he does as far as calling guys out, holding guys accountable, saying what needs to be said, um, is needed. You know, sometimes in the locker room, you got to have uncomfortable conversations. When your team isn't playing the way that you know as a teammate, that you guys should be playing. You need someone to be able to call guys out. I remember being in Milwaukee and J.J. Redick having that conversation. Hmm. J.J. Redick using his voice. You know, and it actually sparked this team coming out in the second half. They didn't win the game, but you saw a completely different team come out in the second half. So any veteran that you can bring in that has the resume, that has the resume behind them as being that kind of guy, you don't want to just bring in a veteran that's not who he, who he is and ask him to be something that he's not. But when you have guys that have the resume of calling guys out, of holding themselves accountable and holding those accountable around them, different case and scenario. So factoring that in, factoring that need for a three and D kind of guy that we've been talking about and how the Pels go forward this offseason in terms of priorities, do you think that the Pels will, I mean, we're about to hit the, the draft lottery too. So we'll find out where their position is for that. So that's, not as big of a deal as free agency as, as coaching, obviously. But do you think that they will get their coach first and try to shape their staff Man. to the coach? I mean, that, there's just so many different things that can happen this offseason. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Every, every general manager, every vice president of basketball operations operates differently. So th this is the first um, – coaching move, obviously, that Griff has made. So none of us know. None of us know. He obviously said they will kind of take their time about the process and look at the guys that they feel like can take this Pelicans team to the next level. I don't know what that process looks like, though, because this is Griff's first big-time move as far as coaching is concerned. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the season is over. I think it'd be fun to take a look back with you, the guy who's been there throughout the whole season. I, you know, the, the big moment that has been talked about a lot is Zion's debut. And I know you weren't calling that. Were you calling that game? Were you able to call that game? I know it was on ESPN. You did call yeah. that game. Uh, so that's yeah. a big one. Uh, is that your favorite moment? Do you have another favorite moment that really sticks out to you? I, I tell you the one that really sticks out to me was Brandon Ingram's game against the Utah Jazz. Okay. Where he hit the um, – we thought it was a walk-off, <laughs> you know. We thought it was, but just that. And for me, that 
particular game and point kind of elevated him to all-star status for me. You know, if he was kind of walking the fence prior to, after that game, he was no longer walking the fence, in my opinion. That made him a legitimate first-time NBA All-Star. And it was that Utah Jazz game where him and, him and Donovan Mitchell just – it was a shootout. You know, I believe one had 45 and one had 43 or, or, or somewhere around there. And um, that's one of the games that, that really, really stands out to me. Just the development that Brandon Ingram has made this season. There are so many different factors that could go into it too. But do you think that that's just the fact that Brandon is coming into a place where he's not overshadowed by LeBron James? He's not a rookie. Do you attribute that to the, uh, the, the people around him, the coaching staff? Do you think it was, you know, Fred Vinson stepping in and helping like he did with Lonzo Ball? What would you credit it from your vantage point to Brandon Ingram's ascension this season? Well, one, I think the change of scenery helped a ton. The change of scenery helped a ton. Uh, two, I tell you the one thing that I didn't realize about Brandon Ingram prior to um, this season is his work ethic. And I've spoke about this on our broadcast numerous times. Anytime that we landed in any city and you go down to the lobby, you know, you walk to the mall or go out to eat or whatever it may be, Brandon Ingram, Fred Vincent, and Lazo Ball were loading up in some Uber to go get shots up. So people don't People don't see the roots, they see the tree. People never see the, the journey, they see the final destination. So when you see Lonzo's um, shooting increase like it did, when you see Brandon Ingram ascend to a first-time NBA All-Star, people don't see the behind-the-scenes work that these guys are putting in. So I, I attribute, one, is the change of scenery. Help the time. Two, is his work ethic. And three, the confidence of the coaching staff to actually put that ball in his hand and play through him and say, we're going to go when you take us. Wherever you take us, that's where we're going to go. And he had put in, that's, that's the thing that preparation does. Preparation creates confidence. So when you're sitting there and you're doing all this work and you're doing all this work and you're preparing yourself for the moment and the moment comes and you experience success because you have prepared yourself for it, and he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better because he, he has a lot of, um, I, real KD-ish, real KD-ish, and his ability to handle that basketball, create space, get to the rim, high shot release. Yeah, so, you know, he increased in every major statistical category, but his minutes stayed the same. So it's not like he increased in every category, and yet he's playing 15 more minutes a game. His minutes almost stayed ideal, but the improvement that he showed in every major category and also in the confidence area was visible. I'm sure you've heard this before, but B.I. Getting, uh, getting shots up the night of his senior prom, didn't go to his senior prom. So that's the kind of work ethic that we're getting from Brandon Ingram. You love this. I did the same thing. That's funny. Really? I never heard that. Really? Yes. And my, my, my prom date is still mad at me to this day. <laughs> I did the same exact thing. Yeah, that's, that's great stuff. But speaking of Fred Vinson, uh, the rest of the coaching staff, we've heard nothing but phrases be sung to them. Him, Chris Finch, Jeff Bedzelik this offseason, uh, and even during the regular season, specifically during the regular season, a lot about Fred Vinson. Mm -hmm. Is there any sort of possibility that they bring them back, that they go out and get a big Ty Lue, a Kenny, or a Kenny Atkinson? Do you, do you see that happening? I, I, man, again, you asking me something I'm not qualified to answer. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, it, it's tough, I think. You know, if you're going to bring in a Teron Lou, if you're going to bring in a Kenny Atkinson, and these are coaches that are proven and they have done it, and I, a lot of times these coaches have their coaching stats. They have their coaching stats already quite often. I don't know what that means for – uh, the coaching staff that's currently there who I have the ultimate amount of respect for, you know, from Fred Vincent to Chris Finch uh, to Jeff Bizdelic, uh to Michael Ruffin, like all of these, all of these guys, you know, they're, they're fantastic at their jobs. Um, I don't know what the next step looks like for them as assistant coaches. Fair enough. You know, Pelicans fans have fallen in love with Fred Vincent. I'd be, I'd be, floored if he is not offered another job this offseason. Chris Finch mm -hmm. looking at possible other head coaching positions as well. Another new change that might be happening this coming season is the addition of D.D. Luzada to the active roster. Have you seen him play? Have you seen uh, anything that excites you about Luzada, who was in Australia this, this last regular season? 
I've seen him play a little bit. And um, what I have seen, and also understand that what you're seeing there will be completely different than what you see here. Right. Different, different circumstances, um, different role. But the one thing that I've seen him do that can translate from Australia to here is shoot the basketball. Again, I will tell you, every team in this league, in a league that is based on pace and space, that's what the league has evolved to, pace and space. You want to get up and down the floor as much as possible, give your star space to operate, and surround them with shooting. And if he continues to shoot the ball with that same confidence that he is doing over there, again, completely different situation over here. Because over there, they may be playing through him. The basketball may be in his hands more often. Now you come over here, as opposed to being the number one option, you may be the number five or number six option, where you kind of got to wait for that ball to come to you. But if he has a skill set as far as his ability to shoot the basketball, that would definitely be needed on this roster. We've heard David Griffin loves him. They're absolutely in love with his game, what he can mm -hmm. bring to the team this coming year. And definitely excited to see that. Hopefully he can get some minutes along with the rest of the roster, assuming it's, <laughs> it's somewhat like we, we know what it to right. be right now. Is there anything that, that sticks out to you that we haven't talked about in terms of, I, I know, I mean, we've said it already, 13-year NBA vet, NBA champion, anything, not necessarily needs, but anything that really is just the Pelicans could use this. The Pelicans, from what you've seen, from being on the sideline all year, something that people don't talk about or, or – that you've seen that, that you think would be good for the Pels? No, I, I think right now um, there's so much that is up in the air as far as what the next step is. Um, but I can tell you this, this team will be turning in the right direction. And this is the most attractive job in the NBA right now. You can look at this job and you can look at Brooklyn. You know, if they, if they don't uh, retain Jock Bond, you know, you have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving, you have uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, you have, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and you have a roster over there that is based on winning the championship. They have championship aspirations. But now you come over here to the Western Conference and you look at what you have in New Orleans with Zion Williamson, with Brandon Ingram, with the, the uh, better leadership with Drew Holiday and, and J.J. Redick and guys that understand their role. You know, the Josh Hartz, who I think is incredible. I have a, such a healthy respect of guys that could care less about the stat score the stat sheet and they are going to go out and they are going to bust their tail no matter what that junkyard dog mentality. So when you look at this roster, just the potential of this roster, you know, if you're a coach and you're out there looking like, I would be thinking like, gosh, I would love to coach this team right now and have the opportunity to put this team in a position to be successful on both sides of the ball. It is incredibly enticing to say the least. And the best is yet to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we talked about it at the top of the show, the NBA bubble right now, we're in the playoffs. Do you have a pick to win the NBA title in 2020 as we currently sit with the NBA bubble with kind of the craziness that we've seen in the last few days? Oh and yeah. This year? We got, yeah. we got. Yeah. So for Sirius XM, when the year starts, this is prior to anything happening. This is prior to the pandemic. This is prior to the postponing. We have to pick all of these different things. And we have to pick the MVP. We have to pick who we have coming out the East, who we have coming out the West. I had Milwaukee coming out the East. I had the Clippers coming out the West. I had the Clippers winning it all. Sticking with it? I'm, the Clippers winning it all, yes. Okay. Uh, Milwaukee coming out the East, I'm a little – I'm a little um, – I don't like the backtrack, but I can see Milwaukee losing to a Toronto because of how good Toronto is defensively. And Milwaukee is, is outside of Giannis Antetokounmpo. They, the blueprint is out against them. You're going to build a wall, and you're going to dare the role players to beat you. And if they beat you, then you lose. But they have to beat you four games. And Toronto, to me, has the best defensive IQ basketball team or basketball roster in this league. So I can see Toronto beating Milwaukee, but I am not going to go all the way up with Milwaukee this whole time. And then after the hiatus, and then they go in the bubble and they struggle a little bit and come out and lose game one. Say, ah, you know what? I'm off the Milwaukee Bucks bandwagon. You know what I mean? I have to stay with what I said from day one. Fair enough. Right or wrong. As we're talking about the Toronto Raptors, they're up just by five against the Brooklyn Nets at this very moment on NBA TV. So the Nets are coming out and really pushing it with their new head coach, Jock Vaughn. And 
as we talked about just a second ago, the, the Raptors being one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, you know, you know, Nick Nurse, their head coach. Do you know where he went to college? Off the top no. of your head? University of Northern Iowa, no. right there. Same, same school as me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I, should, I should have guessed it. I should have guessed it because you said that with a lot of pride. Right? <laughs> you said that with a lot of pride, so I should have guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. You led the – I believe they were the Iowa Energy at the time to an NBA D League championship too. So, representing my home state, sir. <laughs> also, I hear that. I hear that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Before we let you go, how are you not verified on Twitter? How has that not happened yet? <laughs> I have no idea how that works. Huh. So I, I see I see people verified on Twitter all the time. And I like it's weird for me because basically, and I get this question all the time. <laughs> but I think about what verification means. Verification basically means that someone out there that's telling everybody else that you are who you say you are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't convince. Twitter or anyone else that is actually me that is having these conversations, that is actually me that is having these debates and these discussions. So when Twitter, when Twitter deems it okay for me to be me and that it's actually me and for everybody else to know that it's me, so be it. And until then, hey, it is what it is. Hey, we're starting a hashtag for you. Get AD verified. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. AD, you're the man. Appreciate it so much you stopping by. For sure, Elliot. Thanks for having me, brother. And there you have it, Pels fans. Our conversation with Antonio Daniels of Fox Sports New Orleans, color analyst for every single Pelicans game with Joel Myers, host of Give and Go on SiriusXM, NBA champion, 13-year NBA vet. Now that we've got that hammered out, go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. You're going to be getting a ton of Pelicans content there. And that way you can check out the hashtag GetADVerified. And guess what? That man just followed me on Twitter. Pretty hyped about that. So you'll be able to see some conversations between myself and Antonio Daniels, A. Daniels 33 on that platform. And while you're here, make sure you subscribe and leave a rate and review. Do it! Assuming you're on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, if you're on a different platform, go ahead and do the same if you're able. That really, really helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Go follow Believe on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can check out all of their other podcasts on Believe.com or just head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. You can check out some more Pelicans coverage on SB Nation's The Bird Rights, and that will include work from former guests like Preston Ellis, Ali Cosell, Chris Connor, Kevin Berrios, and David Grub. Do not forget, Pels fans, head, head over to Twitter, give at Elliot Clough a follow, and make sure to leave that rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. Everyone, I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.